0: Log Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are uh, here are your legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bareback Facts. We are live and today we're going to be talking about authoritarianism. What does it mean? How can we define an authoritarian government? How does it compare to liberal, liberalism? How does it compare to conservatism? How does it compare to libertarianism? Today we're going to discuss these things, try to get to uh, as much of it as we can. Uh, so bear with me today as I am juggling multiple forms of technology today. And We all know how technology and I get along. First off, let's start off with the basics. What is authoritarianism? What does it mean? How can we define an authoritarian, and how can we define authoritarianism? Let's start with an authoritarian. An Authoritarian is anyone uh, is, is defined as relating to or favoring blind submission to authority. authority uh, of or relating to or favoring a concentration of power in a leader or an elite not constitutionally responsible to the people. This is how we define authoritarianism. It is a system of government in which will favor the concentration of power in a leader or an elite not constitutionally responsible to the people. This is how we define an authoritarian government. So what kind of characteristics do an authoritarian government possess? How can we separate it from other forms of government Let's start with what separates Authoritarianism from our own Our own form of government Which is a democ- which is a democracy A representative government In which people have the power In which the people can vote For their representatives And the representatives act On behalf of the people A democracy, of course, is defined As a government for the people By the people and of the people It revolves around the power of the people Being allowed to elect their officials who represent them and the power of the people to remove them should they fail to represent them properly. An authoritarian government, however, is a government which signifies blind trust towards the authority. All or most, if not all, power is concentrated into the hands of one or a significantly smaller amount of people who have all the power, they have all the control. The citizens put all of their faith and trust in these individuals or individual. Most often it is an individual. Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines a democracy as a system of government that is formed by whole population, eligible members through elective representatives. The, a, the Oxford Dictionary, however, defines an authoritarian regime as a government formed at the expense of personal freedom, when obedience to authority is enforced, then it is called. And if any government that is formed at the expense of personal freedom, when obedience to authority is enforced, then it is known as an authoritarian government. So what, do, what are the advantages of an authoritarian government or an autocracy? Well, the advantages of, a th- of an authoritarian government are a faster process for the system. Lawmaking process is much the lawmaking process is much simpler for an authoritarian regime. Uh, the dictator says it, "You do it." That is uh, the way that works, because we are on the radio. so uh,
1: If you guys
0: are having trouble listening to the show via Facebook Live, I recommend following the link on my page. Um, It will be much better quality for you guys to listen to. That being said, um, this is, again, a little bit of an experiment, so we'll see how it works. Now, uh, back to it. Uh, the majority uh, of people in a democracy have a um, significant more advantage for democracy. So a democracy uh, favors majority rule, favors the rights of the people, favors the power of voting, prevents the monopoly of authority, promotes, allows for the promotion of change, the protection of the interests of the citizens. That is the advantages of a democracy. Again, the advantages of an autocracy or an authoritarian form of government is that there are faster processes for the system in making laws. There are faster processes for the system uh, to correct things that they think need to be corrected and to regulate things. Why? Because there is not a system of checks and balances. There is not a system in which people have to listen to... um, they don't have to listen to advising they don't have to listen uh to a congress or senate or parliament or what have you so there is that for an autocracy now uh there are some disadvantages to both so let's start with democracy what are the disadvantages of a democracy uh democracies can sometimes favor certain groups groups who have much more money and oftentimes find favor they're able to, of course, buy candidates, they're able to uh, lobby. Uh, It may involve more, they can involve immoral practices during elections, the misuse of public funds. And occasionally, the difficulty with democracy is that governments that are democracies oftentimes find it difficult to make decisions. Uh, This is a potentially problematic issue uh, that we find with democracies is that not everybody agrees on things. So because not everybody agrees on everything, it can be rather difficult uh, for a democracy to work out in those scenarios. Uh, in an autocracy, we don't have that problem. Uh, in an authoritarian government system of government, we don't have that. I- we don't have that issue. The authoritarian system of government uh, doesn't allow for the personal freedoms to be a concern. No individual freedoms are given, uh, and There is no political freedom. There is a single individual oftentimes in power, uh, oftentimes this is a dictator, who has no interest in hearing what the political uh, viewings of his opposition are because he doesn't care. He's not interested in hearing those things. uh, And so he doesn't have to worry about whether or not everybody agrees because he's got all the power, and it doesn't matter if everybody agrees because he's going to make the decisions that he wants to make at the end of the day. Uh, so this is one form of – this is one case in which we see autocracies can, quote, unquote, run smoothly because we don't have this system of checks and balances and we don't have this system of, of – of we don't have the issue of worrying about freedom of speech and the like because there is none. Uh, so when we look at an authoritarian government versus a democracy – one of the things we do, one of the key major differences, that we, differences we see is the issue of majority rule. In a democracy, majority rule determines what is the law, what is going to be law, what is going to be uh, the law of the land is determined by the majority. Uh, it's determined by the majority, by, by majority rule, and how is that determined? Well, the majority of the people who vote for candidates, their candidate will win. And then they would vote for the majority. The majority of people will vote for the candidates that they think are going to be the most qualified for a position. This puts people into power that likely are going to represent their interests and in all likelihood are going to pass laws that benefit the people who voted for them. So, you know, this is the ideal scenario uh, for a democracy. In an authoritarian regime, majority rule doesn't mean squat because the authoritarian or the dictator or the uh, king or what have you, whoever happens to be in charge, whatever title he happens to take, uh, doesn't care what the majority of people think because he's got all the power. So majority rule doesn't play a role in an authoritarian regime. The power of the people, the voice of the people is silent. They are going to do exactly what the authoritarian says they're going to do voting uh, the voting power resides most often in democracy in either a parliament a congress a senate uh and of course the elective the, the various branches of the government uh that are are going to pass or veto laws uh, will be in place Uh, to create that system of checks and balances that we love so much. In an authoritarian regime, we don't see this. There is no system of checks and balances. Again, all the power resides in one individual or a few elite individuals who make all the decisions. And so because of this, uh, there is no voting power to speak of. Once the authoritarian takes power in a country, uh, there is no power of the people anymore. It's the power of the authoritarian. So once that happens, you don't have any real agency among your citizens. Uh, now we look at an, another key difference. Um, legislature size. So the size of your government in an authoritarian versus uh, an authoritarian regime versus a democracy are going to be significantly different. In a democracy, we have a lot of moving parts. Uh, oftentimes the legislature is larger. There are a great number of different um, positions that have to be filled. There are multiple branches of government that create this system of checks and balances, and therefore the government is rather large in many cases. In the case of a democracy, it's a representative form of government. And so because it's a representative form of government, we have to have these multiple branches of government to represent the various uh, groups. And we also are going to have – certain tasks delegated to different branches of the government. So in the case of the United States government, we have a democracy in which we have a legislative branch, we have an executive branch, and, of course, uh, we have a judicial branch. The judicial branch, of course, uh, reviews law, they pass law, the legislative branch writes laws, uh, and the executive branch can uh, veto laws. It can declare war with with the aid of the legislative branch. So we, we have all these different checks and balances. They all sort of balance each other out. But this makes for a much larger government. This is one of the major issues that we have. Um, yeah, Ted, I'm seeing that it's I'm seeing that right now. There's really nothing I can do about that. So uh, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of people are coming online to my Facebook feed, and they're complaining that it is cutting out, but I have to tell you guys, we're on the air, and there's nothing I can do about it, Uh, so you're going to have to bear with me, and you're going to have to uh, listen to the show through the link that I gave you all on my page, Um, and we'll figure that out another time, Um, so um, in continuing on, another key Component of authoritarian regime um, Is the political stability uh, In the case of a democracy Policy Tends to make for a more stable government uh, Because people have a little bit more say so They have a little bit more power um, This allows people To Feel a little bit better about their government Sure they may not always be happy uh, With the way government's working uh, They may not be happy about it all the time Uh, They may not agree with each other on everything, but despite the fact that they might not agree on everything, people tend to be a little bit more satisfied in democracy because they feel like they have power. They feel like they have some authority, some agency over their day-to-day life. They have some choices. Uh, They can choose who represents them. They can choose who it is uh, that, that they are putting their faith in. And, of course, there is the issue of accountability. Within a democracy, there is a certain level of accountability for the representatives. They have to be uh, – they are held accountable by those who voted them in. Their constituents can hold them accountable. In the case of an authoritarian regime, there is not really any accountability. The authoritarian can do as he, ple- as he or she pleases. Uh, to their heart's content, they can pass laws uh, – to do basically whatever they want. Um, because all the power is concentrated in the hands of maybe one or two, you know, maybe most of the time, again, it's going to be most generally one. Because it's going to be concentrated in the hands of the very, very few, um, the people and their dissatisfaction with government is oftentimes going to cause a great deal of political strife in the country. And maybe it's not going to be open political strife, But it can oftentimes lead to a very unstable country uh, because a lot of people might not like the idea that they have a person in power who may ignore their interests. Uh, With a person in power who ignores your interests, you have a lot of people that are going to be rather dissatisfied with the way that their government works, uh, in in the case of a democracy, you're not always going to please everybody, but at least people have some some form of say. They can say a little bit. They can talk a little bit about what they want to do. Um, so in that case, uh, in in that regard, we have some semblance of an advantage here with democracy in that people can find uh, a little bit more contentment when we have a, when we have a democratic government. Why? Because they have more say, they have agency, they have the ability to say what's on their mind, to speak their peace, to do, uh, to, and to protect their own freedoms uh, in a sense. They have a sense of freedom uh, that they don't normally, that they wouldn't have in an authoritarian government. Now, I've heard a lot of people, you know, in the past say uh, that they felt like the government has been oppressive, uh, that they've, that we have a dictator. Uh, I remember distinctly uh, when Barack Obama was elected and he began using his executive authority to do things uh, that were perfectly, you know, within his realm and domain of doing. And yet people all of a sudden, because he was using his executive power uh, to, to veto laws, which crazy that he could veto laws and then try to pass them again because that's part of his job, uh, and well within the power of the executive branch, people began to call him a dictator. He began to say, whoa, well, this new president's really out of control. He's really out of hand. Uh, this president is... Is, is, you know, is now a dictator. He's an authoritarian. Um, and now you see the same sort of accusations kind of being poured out uh, against the current president. Uh, and, and and so this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this for this show, talk about authoritarianism and give you guys an idea of what it's like to really live in an authoritarian form of government. So I've talked about fascism, and I've talked a little bit about um, you know, dictatorship. And and authoritarianism is is very much uh, like these things. These are, uh, I mean, a dictatorship, and even fascism to an extent, is a form of authoritarian government. Uh, The difference here is that in an authoritarian government, it is very much uh, like a dictatorship. In fact, they're they're almost almost interchangeable. There are some slight uh, differences that can be argued, but for the most part, by and large, An authoritarian regime is essentially a dictatorship in which one person most of the time holds all the power. Uh, And because of this, because of this, we have the issue of people not being able to feel like they can express their political views. They can express their uh, religious views openly. Now, oftentimes – you know, there's not really much of a difference between uh, the economic stability of a democracy and an authoritarian regime. Uh, there, though There are different factors which tend to play a role in the economic aspect um, of how a country is run uh, by government. It just depends on how much uh, – depends on, on a, lot, a great many other factors. You know, the resources available, the workforce that you have, uh, these sorts of things factor much more heavily into the economic stability of your country. More so than government does. Now, certain policies, of course, can affect how your economy, you know, either thrives or does not thrive. Um, But in the case of an authoritarian authoritarian form of government versus a democracy, uh, we have more issues with the dissatisfaction of the populace, uh, the dissatisfaction of people versus the satisfaction of people. Now, granted, uh, again, and, and as I said, I did say, the, I did give you guys the caveat that not everyone is going to be 100% happy all the time in a democracy. But by and large, under an authoritarian regime, the only people that are really going to be happy is the guy who's got all the power and maybe the people who are kind of directly benefiting from the government. And I say kind of because that can change on a dime. Uh, in an authoritarian government because one thing that we know about authoritarians or dictators is that they're never going to be content with just having a lot of power they always feel like they've got to have more power right Uh, and that's that's just sort of the nature of the beast uh when it comes to an authoritarian regime they're going to always Push to get more and more power. They're going to push to get more and more mileage uh, out of out of what they can take, what they can control. Uh, and what tends to happen with authoritarian regimes is that they become incredibly oppressive because most of the time, your authoritarian, your your leader, your supreme overlord, what have you, whoever, however he or she identifies themselves, they tend to have problems with people who don't agree with their viewpoint, and they see this as a direct threat to their power. In a democracy, uh, we have the benefit of being able to express our political opinions freely. We have the ability to protest uh, actions of a government. We have the ability to remove elected officials from office by voting them out but this is not the case in an authoritarian regime In an authoritarian regime once the authoritarian has the power it is incredibly difficult to get the power back why is it so difficult to get the power back in an authoritarian regime let's take a close look at this it is incredibly difficult to get the power back to the people From an authoritarian form of government because of a few major factors the first factor tends to be that an authoritarian's first step is to take complete control of the armed forces now of course in the case of of democracy the executive branch has direct authority over the armed forces at least in our case uh the executive branch of course Is the head of the executive branch, would be the president, is often declared commander in chief. He has the power to uh, command the troops to do what he desires for them to do. Now, an authoritarian, on the other hand, takes complete control of every aspect of government, and that includes your military. Military, of course, in the case of any nation, is the armed branch, the armed. Branch of government. It is the part of the government that is meant to safeguard the nation, but it also is there to enforce its laws and to say, and, and to um, and to safeguard not only the nation from outside threats but inside threats. And in the case of an authoritarian regime, most of the time the first threats that are going to be neutralized by an authoritarian is political opponents. Now we saw this when the Nazis take power uh, during the Third Reich, during the rise of the Third Reich. We have several instances in which uh, an armed branch of the government is given the authority to take out political opponents of the rising Nazi party. In the first scenario, we have the knight of the long knives uh, in which the brown shirts go out and they, uh, they find the leaders of the Communist Party in Germany and they kill them uh, and they dump their bodies under the Rhine. Um, those that they don't dump under the Rhine, they leave them with their throats cut or disemboweled in the streets. Um, And they single out other political opponents as well, people who had the gall to speak out against the Nazis uh, during their meteoric rise up the ranks as the most powerful party in Germany at that time. uh, They were swift in their dealings with political opponents. And then, of course, once the Nazis take complete control of the government, and Hitler is now the chancellor and has taken over with his emergency powers he has the power of using his secret police the gestapo uh, and the of course his ss men to go out and enforce his will Uh, this is a key example of how an authoritarian is able to take uh, complete control uh, of his government now you can argue to a degree that you know the nazis are not perhaps the best example of an authoritarian regime But there are some key aspects of the Nazis that do factor in very closely to authoritarianism, Uh, because despite the fact that, yes, there are members uh, within the Nazi government who have significant amounts amounts of power, really, at the end of the day, Hitler's the end-all, be-all of the Reich. He decides everything. He is the guy that everybody talks to and asks, for permission to do anything uh, so what what we have in this scenario is the quick solidification of power this is a key component of authoritarianism this is one of the key characteristics we can use we can see and identify the rise of an authoritarian regime in a, in, in a country uh is how they quickly Attempt to eradicate any and all resistance to their ideas, to their way of thinking. How do they solidify their power? Well, the first thing they do is eliminate all their political opponents. Uh, And whether that's by killing them or deporting them or imprisoning them, we've seen it time and time again. We've seen how dictators Go to come to power, and we've seen what they do and the lengths they're willing to go to to keep that power. Um, now we look at some, you know, kind of contemporary examples of how author- of, of some of the more contemporary authoritarian regimes. We need to look no further than Mao, uh, Zedong in China. Uh, when Mao rises to power. He quickly solidifies his power, he's in the military, uh, and anybody who opposes him quickly finds themselves either executed or imprisoned. Um, He he heads a violent revolution, takes control of the government, and pretty much does away with anything uh, that would be contrary to his way of thinking. Uh, you know The ability to gather in public Is outlawed He, he rounds up a lot of his political opponents uh, And moves the, He pushes them all over the country uh, To try to get them out A lot of them die as a result of this From starvation The rest that don't die from starvation and famine uh, From his many policies Of moving his population around uh, Tend to get killed By being you know killed by his troops Uh, So Mao is able to solidify his power through two methods. The first is through revolution. After his revolution and his overthrow of the previous regime, uh, Mao is able to eliminate many of his opponents uh, through violence and imprisonment. He holds on to his power by inspiring his population to be incredibly afraid of him. How does he do this? How does he terrify his populace? Well, he enacts these plans uh, for his population, these five-year plans uh, that are designed uh, to create his ideal society. The only problem with these plans is they, they tend to result in famine and they tend to result in mass deaths. Uh, which for you know most people are going to be a problem. But for him, it's okay because he's not going to experience it. Um, but his political opponents will, and anybody who maybe even thought about opposing him in the population is going to experience them. So Mao is able to solidify his power, first by eliminating most, his more outspoken opponents through uh, his rise during his revolution, and then, of course, by imprisoning them once he's taken power. And then afterwards, he's able to enact several policies that allow him to systematically uh, trim down his population uh, and call out the people he doesn't really want there. And if a bunch of other people who might not necessarily be involved in uh, causing unrest get killed in the process, oh well, then at least they won't cause me problems later. Uh, So this was sort of the kind of running trend with authoritarians, with dictators, is that they don't tend to care a whole lot about their population. They care a great deal more for, uh, they care a great deal more about their, and about holding on to that power, and about about holding on to their power at all costs. Uh, So let's take a look at some of the other, you know, minor differences. We'll take a look first off at economic freedom and social freedom under four forms, uh, uh, under three other forms uh, of government versus authoritarianism. <clears throat> now, in an authoritarian regime, there really isn't any economic or social freedom. The authoritarian determines uh, what the economic policy will be. He, determine, he or she will determine what directives uh, the economy will take. They will determine what the workforce is going to do, what they're going to produce, when they're going to produce it, how they're going to produce it, what you will be when you grow up. These are the sorts of things that an authoritarian uh, is just obsessed with, that is just obsessed with holding on to their power. They're going to be in every aspect of your life. The other aspect of this, the social freedom, there really isn't a whole lot of social freedom, if any at all, under an authoritarian form of government because social freedoms, Mean that people can have their own ideas, their own thoughts. Uh, they could speak out if they chose to. They could protest. They could stand up for themselves if they so desired. This is not the case in an authoritarian regime. Now, if we look at, a, at, a, at the system of liberalism, uh, in, in a liberal uh, form of government uh, has little economic freedom. The government is very closely ingrained in the, in the economy. They, they do. They control a great deal of the economy. They have some. Uh, they have policies that allow them to sort of tailor the economy in the way they wish. They they have more regulations. Uh, there's a great deal more social freedom. Okay, so that's that's what we see under the form of government liberalism. Under conservatism, uh, there's a great deal of economic freedom, but social strict. There are a great more number, a great larger number of social strictures. Uh, because conservatism tends to lean towards whoever is in power and they're standing on morals, they're standing on uh, what is socially acceptable, kind of becomes uh, the norm. Excuse me. And then we have the more, uh, sort of a more even keeled approach, which is libertarianism, uh, which uh, there is more economic freedom and there is more social freedom, kind of it's kind, of like kind of like the best of both worlds. Libertarianism is kind of like the Neapolitan of, of government. Uh, you know, you get your chocolate, you get your vanilla in there, and you get some strawberry. It's kind of like it, – it's kind of really nice, right? Uh, it's got its strengths and it's got its weaknesses. It tries to please everybody, you know, but there's always going to be that one guy, that doesn't really like strawberry. He's okay with the chocolate vanilla, but he's not a fan of the strawberry. Uh, and so that's that's kind of the way you've got to view these different forms of, of sort of government. Uh, is keep in mind that there's going to be some issues uh, that that are going to there are going to be some issues that we can clearly point to that separate these forms of government from one another. Uh, let's take a look at the government in regards to economic issues in these four forms of government. Uh, now that we have a clearer grasp of what authoritarian th- authoritarianism is and what it looks like uh, and how we can identify it, let's take a look at what separates it, some, more, some other things that separate it. Okay, so we look at uh, how these four uh, different government forms approach government in economic issues and government and social issues Uh, so libertarians they don't really think the government should interfere in economic issues and they don't really see the need for government interference in social issues they kind of just believe government's kind of just hands off those things just stay out of there uh that's none of your business just stay out of my stay out of my house and uh you know you'll get your taxes you just stay out of all this other stuff okay uh conservatism uh they don't really want government interference in in economic issues they don't want the government interfering in the economy but they're okay with government interference in social issues uh they don't mind uh some government regulation of regulation of social issues uh liberal liberalism favors uh government interference in both economic and social issues uh, you know, as far as protection of certain uh, social freedoms, uh, and as far as regulation of certain, uh, you know, things within the economy, um, you know, fair trade practices, and and these sorts of things, uh, making you know re- the regulation of corporate of corporations, uh, these are things that are favored by more liberal leaning individuals. And now we look at authoritarian, uh, how the authoritarian would view. Uh, the government in regards to economic issues and government in regards to social issues. The authoritarian would say that the government should be in control of both of those things. They should control everything. The government knows what's best for you. They're going to tell you the right things to do. Um, So the authoritarian is going to control all these things. Uh, So that is really one of the best that, – that's thats probably one of the best ways we can break down uh, these forms of government uh, and how uh, we can sort of and, – and how we can sort of separate it from these different forms of government. So uh, oftentimes people tend to think about authoritarian governments um, – as being governments in which you know, we have one individual who controls everything and they tell you the way things are supposed to be. But there is a little bit more to it than that. Uh, sometimes people associate authoritarianism uh, with religion. I know a lot of people have sort of uh, associated you know, religious dominance uh, of government as sort of an authoritarian shackle. Uh, but in many cases, uh, religion doesn't tend to play all that much of a role in authoritarianism because, again, what is religion but another uh, means of expressing one's own freedoms, right? Uh, our right to, our ability, our power to choose uh, what we believe in. Uh, the authoritarian uh, form of government doesn't really allow for the flourishing of religion because. Religion is just another way uh, that one could be subversive to the government. I and mean, this is something we do not want if we're an authoritarian. We don't want uh, the government uh, to have people questioning it. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, so here are some, some, uh, some characteristics some more characteristics of authoritarianism that can help us pick it out from various other forms of government. So number one is a limited political pluralism. That is, such regimes place constraints on political institutions and groups like legislatures, political parties and interest groups. So what we've kind of talked about already is the idea that there are going to be limited there's limited political pluralism. These other these other branches of government are now pretty much irrelevant. We don't really need legislatures and political parties and interest groups uh, under an authoritarian because there's only one choice on the ballot. If you go to vote under an authoritarian, there's only going to be one name on the ballot. It's going to be Bob the dictator. And you're going to vote for Bob because Bob is the only choice. Uh, Bob is the only choice you've got. So if you do have a you, – you, they may say they have free and fair elections, but that just means that there's going to be an election, and there's only going to be one name on the ballot. And you damn sure better choose that name because there are no other choices. So it doesn't matter if you want to choose them or not. Uh, second is a basis for legitimacy based on emotion. Uh, especially the identification of the regime as a necessary evil to combat easily recognizable societal problems, such as an under as underdevelopment or insurgency. Uh, so there is a constant need under an authoritarian regime to uh, fight for its legitimacy, to prove that there is a necessity for the government to have all this power. We've got to prove that uh, the government needs to have all this power. How can we prove it? Well, uh, there are threats to you, as the citizen. That I've got to, that only I can protect you from only i can protect you from uh the ghoulies and the ghosties and you just have to trust me and believe in me And i promise you i'm not going to steer you wrong i'm the guy that's going to get you where you need to go so you're just going to have to trust that i know what's best for you uh, that's how authoritarians tend to hold on to their power these are the ways uh, that they deceive the populace. They tell them, "We are. I am the only choice. I am the guy, the only one for the job. Uh, that's going to be able to protect you from. Uh, that's going to be able to protect you from terrorism. That's going to be able to protect you from uh, the enemies that surround our nation. The enemies that are within our nation that would bring us low. I am the guy that can protect you from these things." Uh, so these are uh, two uh, major characteristics uh, that we can look to. Uh, when trying to identify a government as an authoritarian regime, but a third uh, characteristic we can point to is minimal social mobilization, uh, which is most often caused by constraints on the public, such as suppression of political opponents and anti-regime activity. Uh, so there's not going to so under an authoritarian regime. I mentioned this before. Uh, this 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 point comes back, circles back to what we sort of talked about when I defined authoritarianism for you guys, and that is. Uh, that there isn't going to be uh, social mobilization, and what does that mean? What is social mobilization? Social mobilization is the idea that we can gather together uh, and and band together in protest of something that we don't agree with, or in agreement with something that we do agree. Or, you know, we can band together uh, and support something we do agree on. Doesn't have to be disagreement every time; can be agreed. Uh, but under an authoritarian regime, there is no uh, real opportunity for the populace to get together and say, we're not going to take this anymore, uh, or we, we really like this idea, because uh, the m- regime that's in control is not going to allow any, any perceived threats to its power. It's not going to allow any political parties to uh, grow and, and form a power base within their country, because this is a threat to them. Anybody else that could potentially rise up and say, maybe I've got a better idea, is now a threat to an authoritarian regime. And because of this, you're not going to see social mobilization. You're not going to see people banding together under a dictatorship, not openly, because the authoritarian regime that is in power is not going to allow it. There's, no, there's going to be moratoriums on, on, on whether or not you can gather in public. There's going to be curfews in place. There are going to be laws that limit the ability for people to gather in large numbers in places uh, that would be easy for large numbers of people to go to. Uh, Public forums are not going to be allowed. Uh, And then four, a fourth characteristic, informally defined executive power with often vague and shifting powers. So how how do we navigate this? What does that mean? Uh, Informally defined executive power with often vague and shifting powers. Well, when I say an informally defined executive power, what I mean and what that means is we have no real limitation that's actually given. There's sort of laws in place that tell us what the executive is allowed to do, but they're kind of like suggestions and we get into all these gray areas and it the whole the whole thing gets all oh, Vague and shifty, it's like, am I abusing my power and overstepping my bounds? Uh, Under an authoritarian regime, authoritarians move incredibly quick to quickly blur the lines between how much power they're supposed to have and how far they can stretch the power that they do have. So even if they start out as limited uh, in their power, they, they find a way to push the boundaries just as fast as they can. Uh, and you know, in the case I, I mentioned, the case you know, in the rise of Hitler, when he declares, "Oh my gosh, we need emergent, you know, uh, w- emergency powers. I've got to declare it." The communists burn down, burn down a meeting hall. That's it. I'm I'm declaring emergency powers. It's a state of emergency. But then he never gives his power back, ever. <laughs> he he never says, "Okay, well, emergency over and, and it's all good." No, he stays a dictator. Uh, he, you know, he pretty much just runs things from then on out. Uh, you know, so, and and he does this by, you know, just kind of weaseling his way in there. You know, he starts out as vice chancellor uh, and then convinces, you know, everybody else to kind of step aside and say, listen, you know, you don't want to handle it. L- let me handle these problems. Let me handle this day-to-day stuff. You don't worry about that. You just sit back and look beautiful, Pappen, all right? And before... Uh, before people knew it, he had all the power uh, because he, he was very quick to stretch the bounds of his power uh, and test the limits of it. Now, modern dictatorships use an authoritarian concept most generally to form uh, their governments. Uh, now, uh, there's multiple forms of authoritarian governments. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about a couple of them real quick. Uh, so we have a traditional authoritarian regimes, and these are regimes in which the ruling authority, which is generally a single person, is maintained in power through a combination of appeals to traditional legitimacy, patron-client patron ties, and repression, which are carried out by an apparatus bound to the ruling authority through personal loyalties. Uh, so we have an individual who takes power. Uh, they then use... Uh, their authority over, you know, military personnel to brutally oppress anybody who dares threaten their power. Now we have a bureaucratic military authoritarian regime, and these are governed by, most generally by a coalition of military officers and technocrats who act pragmatically rather than ideologically within the limits of their bureaucratic mentality. Um, so uh, one... Um, you know one way to look at this is to look at it from the standpoint of we here we have a group of we have a group of military officers and technocrats who are examining the best way to make a government that is efficient that is going to be a well-oiled machine they're going to be thinking about things from a logical point of view Uh, they're not going to be driven by emotion Uh, they're going to take uh, a more calculated approach to government they're going to take a calculated approach to how they should handle uh, the government and that is how a bureaucratic military authoritarian regime is going to run they're going to be run by a select few uh members of this military that take power uh, and they will focus uh, predominantly on how to uh rationalize and develop their economy um now there are other three there are you know three other you know rough Uh, sort of subtypes uh, defined by Juan Lentz, the influential uh, writer who sort of coined, helped to coin the term. He was a Spanish sociologist and political scientist um, who essentially helped to kind of spark the start of studying this concept of authoritarianism. Uh, he, he, He theorized about authoritarianism and totalitarianism uh, on the writings of other people and and sort of came up with his own way of formulating how that how these how this form of government works and he broke it down into another three uh, different small little subtypes of authoritarian regimes so we have corporatist authoritarian regimes and these are uh, regimes in which corporate institutions are used extensively by the state to co-opt and demobilize powerful interest groups. Uh, Then we have racial and ethnic democracies uh, in in which we have certain racial or ethnic groups who enjoy full democratic rights while others are largely or entirely denied those rights. Uh, We can see a key example of this uh, in South Africa during the apartheid uh, in which only certain members of the population had the power to vote. And we're even recognized as citizens, and in some cases, we're even recognized as people at all. Uh, and then we have post totalitarian authoritarian regimes. Uh, these are regimes in which, total, in which totalitarian institutions such as the party, secret police, and state patrolled mass media remain, but where ideology, ideological orthodoxy has declined in favor of uh, routinization and repression. Uh, has declined. The state's top leadership is less personalized and more secure, and the level of mass mobilization, m- mobilization has declined substantially. Uh, we can point uh, specifically to the Soviet Eastern Bloc states in the mid-1980s, who were sort of transitioning out of uh, being a part of the Soviet Union into their own sort of satellite states, uh, tend, tended, which tended to be run by uh, strong authoritarian uh, you know, or dictators in many cases. Um, so this is kind of what's, this is kind of how we can identify authoritarian governments. This, this is what an authoritarian government looks like. It is a government in which uh, generally one or very uh, select few people control every aspect of life in the country. They control every aspect of day-to-day life. They control the media, they control education, they control the economy and they control society as a whole. Um, and that is essentially what, how we can define authoritarianism and what separates authoritarianism from democracy, what separates it from more liberal forms of government, and what separates it from more conservative forms of government. Uh, ostensibly, you know, uh, authoritarianism is about as far uh, hardline pro-government as you can get. Um, You know, people who support big government uh, are kind of treading the line between authoritarianism and conservatism. Uh, People who think uh, that the executive branch, how can you identify an authoritarian? That's next. How do we identify someone who is an authoritarian? Because an authoritarian is not just a person who rules an authoritarian government, right? Uh, If we define an authoritarian properly, it's it's an individual Uh, who favors blind submission to authority, who favors the concentration of power in government to the select. Uh, They believe in the need for a strong leader. Authoritarians believe in the need of having a strong leader who controls every aspect of government, who's able to make the big boy decisions, put their big boy pants on, and make the right decisions for you and me and everybody else. That is what an authoritarian favors They favor a government That has a strong leader Who has all the power And who is not necessarily bound to a constitution They're not playing by the rules They make the rules They're wearing the big boy pants right. they put their big boy pants on In the morning And if they want to declare war They do it If they want to suspend the constitution They do it Okay Um and a lot of people that support, you know, a lot of people would say, "Well, I support a strong leader, but I don't believe our, I, I don't believe in suspending the Constitution." And to that, I would say, "Do you really support that strong? Do, how strong of a leader is it that you're supporting? How strong of a leader? How strong does your leader need to be?" Does your leader need to have all the power? Does everyone in the country have to agree with him and be behind him 110%? Do they have to say how great he is every single day? Or is it just kind of cool to have a leader who's kind of ballsy, makes decisions, uh, you know, makes the hard decisions, but still respects the rights of the people, still respects Uh, you know, the traditions of government. Because what we have when we have an authoritarian regime and a person who is uh, in favor of an authoritarian regime is a person who wants to generally eschew tradition. Uh, Maybe they don't like the way things were run before. Uh, An authoritarian is a person who is not going to be uh, finding democracy to be pleasurable to them. They are not going to be enjoying the concept of a democracy. Uh, They... If, you, if you're an authoritarian, you don't want, you, you don't believe in the power of people's rights and the power uh, of voting. You don't believe in the prevention of the monopoly of power, because an authoritarian supports the concentration of power into the hands of the few. Uh, so when we see people who claim that they want this really powerful government and they want this very powerful leader, this strong, charismatic, uh, you know, manly man who gets things done uh, and, and doesn't take any crap from anybody. Uh, when we have people that are claiming they want this uh, type of government, what we have are people who most often don't really understand to the full extent what they're asking for, um, you know, again, that's not to say that authoritarianism itself doesn't have its perks. You know, if you want to live in a society in which the government controls every aspect of your life, well, it's on you. Uh, if you don't believe in individual freedoms and and you believe in basically no political freedom, then authoritarianism is right up your alley. That is right there where you want to be. Um, But I can tell you, historically, authoritarian regimes tend to not end particularly well uh, for a lot of people. And specifically, they tend not to end very well for the person who's in charge. Uh, If we take a look at the uh, situation in which we have – well, let's just take a look specifically at Italy under – Uh, under the uh, dictatorship of Benito Mussolini. Mussolini, when his government falls to pieces because the people get tired of, uh, well, first off, they get tired of of being involved in these major world conflicts. Uh, Second, they get tired of starving because the majority of his population begins starving based on all the money uh, that he has been funneling out of their country into these other countries Uh, because Benito Mussolini was incredibly corrupt. Of course he was. Uh, and you know, but the masses, the people uh who he was supposed to represent, they finally rose up and they overthrew the government, and they said, to the heck with this, right uh, and of course, this is after the allied troops show up and kind of kick around the italian troops and uh, and really, after that, there's really not much resistance to speak of. The Italians are kind of just relieved that Benito Mussolini's you know not power anymore, but Benito Mussolini. He doesn't face execution, uh, and he doesn't go to jail. He doesn't get in prison. He and his wife are stopped on the road by people who recognize them, and they're beaten, and they're hung in a barn. Uh, So it didn't really end very well for them. Why? Because Benito Mussolini was notorious for being incredibly oppressive, And while he did give off, you know, this air of bravado bravado and this air of, you know, machismo and masculinity and strength and power, he was not really a very good leader. Uh, Just because a person claims to be an incredibly powerful individual and they appear to be very powerful and they appear to be very charismatic doesn't mean they're a good leader. Uh, One might argue that Adolf Hitler was also not a very good leader, Right. Uh, I mean, we have numerous examples under the Third Reich in which uh, Adolf Hitler is kind of a crummy leader. Uh, For example, his men are not allowed to move along the Eastern Front. They're not allowed to advance against the Russian troops, even though the Russians are in full retreat in many parts of the Eastern Front. They're not allowed to advance because Hitler hasn't gotten up for breakfast yet, and he's not ready for them to advance. So no orders are allowed to be relayed to his troops without his permission. Uh, this is a huge drawback. So paranoid is Hitler that somebody else is going to steal his glory that his troops can't take advantage of the enormous ground they're gaining on the field. This is another key. This is a key example of where we have an individual who's got all this power, who oozes who all this charisma and machismo and 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 power that people said they wanted, right? Uh, and he's kind of screwing you, right? He's not. He's not even giving you. He's not even giving you what he said he's going to give you. You know, he said he's going to bring you to the, you know, Hitler said he was going to bring on a thousand-year Reich. Uh, And not only does it not last a thousand years, I mean, it barely lasts seven. Uh, You know, it's not even close. Uh, He overextends. uh, He makes poor decisions militarily. He breaks pacts with people that would have been beneficial to him. Uh, And so, you know, this is a this is one of those situations in which we look at authoritarianism and you say, really? Come on, man. Really? This is the form of government we want. A guy that has all the powers. I mean, that's not to say that there isn't the chance that one day an authoritarian dictator could come to power who would make all the right decisions. But I got to tell you people, I'm not seeing it. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be curious to know what anybody else thought about it. Again, the call-in number is 718-508-9883. If you've got any thoughts on it, feel free to chime in. Um, But, you know, when you look at an authoritarian form of government, there's just so much, there's just so many disadvantages compared to advantages. Sure, you can pass laws really fast, and sure, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, checks and balances, but... What's the one major thing you have to worry about? Uh, your population, who you represent, who now has no power and has no voice in government. Uh, don't you know? That's sort of a massive oversight of a dictatorship, and it's really one of the major reasons why dictatorships tend to fail. Uh, it's usually not because of outside interferences that we see uh, dictatorships get toppled. Certainly, those things can play a factor, and certainly, if we look at the economic uh, role, the role of economics. Uh, there are many scenarios in which people, you know, when the economy starts to fall apart in these countries, uh, you know, people say enough's enough. We're, you know, we're, we're hungry. We're tired. Uh, we don't, you know, nobody's making any money. You, you're living in your palace over here. We're, we're going to overthrow you. We're going to kill you. And we're going to take over and put somebody else in power and get the job done. But generally, what tends to happen with these authoritarian governments is we have individuals in power who have all this power and are so paranoid to hang on to it that they tend to fall apart because the people get tired of the invasiveness of the government. They get tired of having the government tell them how to think and how to breathe and how to eat and how to do everything. They get tired of such heavy regulation. Uh, And more than that, they get tired of not having a voice. They get tired of not being able to say what they think and what they feel and what they believe without fear of being ostracized imprisoned, or executed. Uh, so this is a major downfall of authoritarianism, in that because it doesn't promote individual freedom, because it doesn't promote uh, political freedom, people tend to not stand for it for very long. And certainly, uh, certainly, dictators have ruled through fear. They've ruled through deception uh, in many situations. Uh, we have many, we have countless examples of. of of you know despots who have ruled through fear and through you know through through terror and and through uh, deceiving their population. Uh, but what tends to happen in almost every case is the people eventually say enough's enough. We're the people. This is our country, and we're taking it back. Uh, and that's that tends to be the reason we see authoritarian regimes fall apart. Now, if we look at the flip side on democracies. If we look at a democracy, you know, democracies tend to be longer-lasting, more stable governments. And there's a major reason why. Contentment. Now, that, does that mean that everyone is always going to be happy with who's the president and who's the congressman and who's doing this? And are they always going to be happy about all the laws? No. No. But the illusion of choice, the illusion that you have influence in your government, even the slightest shimmer of hope that you can change your government towards what you want it to look like, is more powerful than a person who sits back and says, this is the way things are going to be. This is how things are. This is how we do things. So just the fact and the power of choice is what preserves a democracy. Uh, and you see a lot of people say, you know, that a democracy is only as strong as, as this. A democracy is only strong as this or this or what have you. You know, people say that democracy is only as strong as the people's faith in the democracy. The democracy is only strong as, as the representatives and, and their ability to represent the interests of the people. Well, what I would say is that democracy is only as strong as the illusion of choice that exists within it. As long as people in a democr- that are under a democracy feel like they have a choice and they feel like they have some semblance of, of a voice, they're likely to tolerate a lot more. Does that mean that a democracy can't be oppressive? No. A democracy can be oppressive uh, because of majority rule right? The majority of people, what majority of people want may not be what small groups within the country want. Now, I know some people would say, well, who cares what those small groups of people want, right? But those small groups of people care, right? They care about what they want. Uh, so that, that's, what, that's where, we, uh, where we tend to get lost a long way uh, in democracy, is we tend to forget uh, that democracy is a majority rule, it's all about majority rule. It's all about who is the the big cheese, who's running things. Uh, you, you know, the majority majority rule tends to be who you know everybody else voted for. And so, you know, when when we got, uh, for example, when we got Trump as president, right? People were, you know, there were people who were happy about it. There were people who were not happy about it. You know, we didn't tear, you know, despite the fact that, you know, there were, you know, there's been protests and there's been, you know, complaints and there's been celebrities that have come out on television and threatened to blow things up and what have you. Uh, the country didn't tear itself to pieces, right? Uh, we're still living in America. We're still living in a country where people have. We're still living in a country where people have uh, you know their issues uh, but we're still living in a country that exists right? Uh, we're still living in a country that still has a government that's in place uh, there's still laws there's not law, rampant lawlessness all over the country uh, you know the, the country's not covered in flames uh, and you know there's something to be said for that. You know, there's something to be said for, you know, mil- millions of us didn't die, you know, because the president because we got a different president, millions of us weren't murdered and killed by the people who, you know, felt like they won the election. Uh, millions of us weren't murdered by people who felt like they got cheated in the election. Uh, you know, knock on wood, which is good stuff, right? Well, you know, anytime we don't get murdered by the opposition is good. Uh, that's always good, right? Uh, So, you know, things could be a lot, lot worse. Uh, So, you know, in this way, we're kind of very fortunate uh, in this way, because if we lived in an authoritarian regime, under an authoritarian regime, uh, you know, this show wouldn't really be possible. Uh, You know, social media, as we know it, would really... Really, be kind of a downer, right? I mean, we'd all be saying we'd all be mindless sort of drones, saying, "Oh, hail the supreme leader!" Uh, you know, we'd all probably wear you know a gray shirt or something. I don't know. We'd all dress like stormtroopers, I guess. Might not be all that bad when you think about it, because they do have really sharp uniforms. I'm just saying. But uh, you know, my Star Wars uh, love aside, um, you know, we have it pretty good. Living under a democracy, we got it pretty good. And you may not agree all the time with everybody around you, and you may not agree uh, with the way the government's being run all the time, but that's the beauty of a democracy. You cannot agree with it. That's what's great about living in a democracy. We have the power as people living in a free democracy to say, I don't like this guy, or I don't like this woman, Or I don't like whoever, you know, whatever. I don't like the way Congress is doing things. I don't like the way the president's doing things. I don't like his hair. I don't like, you know, whatever. People have the power to say these things openly, and they're not going to get imprisoned and murdered. It's it's kind of a good thing. You know, uh, one of the things that I think we as a society have kind of, particularly here in America, is one of the things we've kind of lost over these last couple of years, and, and I've noticed it more and more, Uh, And this is one of the major reasons why I wanted to do this is now uh, when we don't agree with somebody, we just tend to throw a label on them, right? We throw a label on them, you know, on the left-hand side, you know, on the left, you know, there's always, there's all this, not, you know what, let's just step away from that statement and let's backtrack for a moment. Um, You know, now, again, we're just throwing labels at people, you know, we're, we're saying this guy's too left and this guy's too right. And, and I don't, you know, you know, you're just a socialist, or you're just a communist, or you're just a fascist, or you're just an authoritarian. You don't know, you know, you, you're just you're just a fascist, you know. People just start throwing these terms around. They have no idea what they mean. They just sound bad, right? Your parents told you when you, when you were growing up that communists were the bad guys, or the fascists were the bad guys, or the capitalists were the bad guys. Uh, so we're just going to throw these things around. Um, and I think it's important that we take the time to step away from that for a moment and realize uh, that before we start throwing all these titles at each other, number one, we should know what the heck they'd mean, Uh, and number two, uh, you know, isn't it really just so exhausting to really just have to insult and demean one another because we disagree with one another? Can't we disagree civilly? And the beauty of it is, we could, we could, if people knew what was going on, if people knew what they were talking about. In many cases, we could totally disagree. Uh, and in a democracy, we have the, we don't just have the right to disagree. It's almost like we're encouraged to disagree with each other. That we're encouraged uh, to really uh, challenge uh, the legitimacy of authority. We're, we're encouraged to ask questions. We're encouraged to hold. Uh, government officials accountable We're encouraged uh, To hold one another accountable uh, And to debate an open forum About how we feel about things uh, And so in this way uh, We have a glorious gift uh, Democracy really is kind of an awesome thing uh, No matter how you slice it It's really kind of cool uh, Because we all get that voice We all have the power to say how we feel And what's on our minds uh, Even now I can tell you guys What's on my mind and you can call in and tell me what's on your mind. It's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, you know, and again, I just want to step back. You know, over these last couple of years, we've just seen people just throwing these labels around, just throwing them around. We don't agree with the person, so we're going to attack them. We're going to demonize them. We're gonna we're gonna try to make our we're going to yell real loud. And the louder we yell, the more right we're going to be. Uh, and and I don't mean right politically. I mean the more correct. We're going to be. Our point is going to be the good one, and theirs is going to be the bad one. It's just have to yell really, really loud, and then it'll be. And then I'll be correct. And you'll be wrong. Uh, so, uh, what I would like to do is kind of encourage you guys out there that are listening to take the time to not only go look into things for yourself uh, and find out what terms actually mean before you use them. Particularly this one, authoritarian, uh, is kind of a serious term. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of people saying uh, that now we're living under a dictatorship. That now Trump is an authoritarian. He's a dictator. He's he's ruling everything with an iron fist. But but he's not. You know, you don't have Gestapo knocking down your door yet. And holy holy crap! If I get Gestapo knocking down my door after this, and you guys never hear from me again, just know uh, that whatever they said I did, I didn't do. Uh, but joke. But seriously, uh, jokes aside. Um, you know, we we're not seeing that yet. People are out there saying, "Oh, we have a dictator now. Look at him. He's he's doing whatever he wants. He he just does what he wants to do. He's he's changing the laws, but I mean, he's really not changing the laws. It's kind of just acting within the executive body." Um, you know, are there some things that have happened that you know, every that I agree with and don't agree with? Of course, there are. Of course, there are things uh, that have happened uh, since the new president's been elected I don't like. There are things that I kind of said, eh, you know what, that's not really that bad. Eh, You know, you can't win them all. Uh, But that's the beauty of a democracy, guys. Uh, You know, you, you can elect these officials, and if you don't like them, don't worry. Sooner or later, some guy's going to get in there, some gal's going to get in there that you do like, and everybody that you knew that liked that guy before is going to hate that person, and then you get bragging rights for the next four years or eight years or whatever. Uh, but, you know, before we start throwing around that so and so's a dictator, we need to really understand uh, what a dictatorship is like, what an authoritarian regime really is like, uh, because you're definitely not living under one right now. Uh, you're, you're not living under an authoritarian regime right now. If you're in America, you're an incredibly fortunate individual. And I don't want to dive down the path of American exceptionalism and talk about how amazing America is and all that stuff. Uh, that's not really necessary or relevant to our conversation. Uh, what I want to say, though, is that you do need to understand that you are incredibly fortunate to be living in a country that has a democratic form of government, that has a representative form of government, that has uh, – a constitution in place that preserves your rights to disagree or agree or be irrelevant or, or, or not carry it away. Uh, so, you know, we are incredibly fortunate that we don't live under an authoritarian regime because if we did, if we lived under an authoritarian regime, we wouldn't be having these investigations with, you know, guys like Comey coming on television talking with the Senate. Uh, you know, Senate Review Board. Uh, we wouldn't have uh, the president meeting with different branches of the government. It wouldn't be happening because the president wouldn't be meeting with anybody because he'd just be sitting in his office making decisions. And then he'd come on TV and say, Here's the law. This is what we're doing now. From now on, this is what we're doing. I am the law. Hang up, done, uh, no more speech. I mean, that, that is not what you live under right now. Uh, everybody that's been out there saying, oh, my gosh, we're under a dictatorship now. I've got no freedoms. That's just preposterous. That's just ridiculous talk. You know, don't, don't sit around and cry about it. If you don't like it, if you don't like the government you have in place right now, If you don't like the representatives, there's a really good solution for it. Next time it's election time, representatives at the state level and the local level, you go to the polls and you vote those guys out. And then when it's time for election time at the state level, or at the, um, I should say, the federal level, well, you go to the polls and you vote those guys out. That's the beauty of a democracy, if we were living in authoritarian government, people, there was there is no voting them out. You're not voting out anybody. If our new president was a dictator, you could kiss all this stuff goodbye. All this voting people out and protest, all the protests we do, all the all the uh, celebrities that come on and take off their shirts and talk about how they hate. You know, the White House and want to make it go away, and all the people that come out and cut off papier mache heads of presidents and cut off, you know, whatever. All the Kathy Griffins, all these people that are out there doing the things that they're doing, they would not be able to do those things in an authoritarian regime. If we lived in a dictatorship, an authoritarian form of government, that would have been an executable offense. You would have never heard another thing from Kathy Griffin. She would have been killed probably would have been lined out in front of a firing squadron shot. And no, I'm not advocating for that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm trying to impress upon everybody that you don't really have it that bad. You may not like who's president. You may not like who your senator is. But that's why you take your happy buns to the polls when it's time to vote, and you vote them out. Because guess what, my little darlings? You live in a democracy, and part of a democracy one major defining factor that separates a dictatorship or an authoritarian government, however you want to slice the apple, from a democracy, one major tidbit separates democracy from authoritarianism, the responsibility of the citizen. The responsibility of the citizen. We don't talk about that enough. As Americans we don't talk about the responsibility of the citizen. We talk about the pride of citizen. We talk about uh, what the government's supposed to do for you. But what about your responsibility as a citizen? You have a responsibility as a citizen to be informed, to know who you're voting for, to be educated, to know the issues, to know your own values, to know what's important to you specifically, and to know what candidates and what representatives you have embody those things. And if you don't know those things, if you don't know what candidates that are running for office embody the things that you stand for as an individual, and you go to the polls and you vote, then who you get in office is your fault because you didn't take the time as a citizen to fulfill your responsibility as a citizen to inform yourself and to make educated choices. That's what separates one major key component that separates democracy from authoritarianism, the responsibility of the citizen. In an authoritarian form of government, the citizen not only has no freedom, but responsibility is absolved from the citizen because the because the citizen has no choice in who is in charge and and because the authoritarian or dictator has all the power it doesn't really matter what the citizen wants but in a democracy in the form of government that we have which is more more or less a democratic republic you don't have that luxury, if you will. You are responsible as a citizen to make the right choices. You as a citizen are responsible for educating yourself on issues. You're responsible for educating yourself on the stances of the people running for office. You're responsible for knowing what, how you align with their views. And you're responsible for knowing what representatives that are running for public office are going to best represent your interests. So when we talk about the major differences between a democracy and an authoritarian government, the major difference, the most important major difference, is the responsibility of the citizen. I'm Dallas Duclo. This has been the Bareback Facts, and I will catch you all later. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for tuning in.